I could hear them talking about what they did at the weekend and the things they did with their mom. And the moment they noticed that I was there, they stopped the conversation. And I just remember feeling like I am no longer Katrina who, you know, is sporty and makes people laugh and is quite shy, but, you know, friendly. I am now Katrina whose mom died and that's all I am. And it was very, very isolating for me. And at the time I had a lot of resentment towards quite a few friends, but now I can see that actually it's just, you know, they're 15 year old as well. Like if the role was reversed, I probably wouldn't have known what to do. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude and the Grey in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am excited to be chatting from across the ocean waters and continents and continents away (laughs) and a whole day difference between the two of us today (laughs) with Katrina Weller all the way from Australia, right? We're talking, are you Australia or New Zealand? No, no, Australia, Australia, right? Yeah, Australia. Australia, All the way from Australia. (laughs) Um, Katrina Weller is here with us it's like 5 30 p.m my time as we're recording 8 30 a.m her time I'm so fortunate and we are so fortunate that we were able to find a time that worked for us uh, even though with the with the time difference Mm -hmm. here so thank you so much no, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I got up especially out my pajamas just for you. <laughs> just right. And I have not gotten out of my workout clothes yet, <laughs> as I was telling you earlier. So anyway, thank you, Katrina, for, for um, contacting me. And we're, I don't even know who contact who because we're both following each other on Instagram and uh, and then have being on the podcast. So uh, let's talk a little bit as... Okay, sorry, she's like... Evie is trying to make a bed underneath the bed. She's uh, doing the... Scratchy thing. Do your dogs do that too? Yeah. Do you have one? Just one beagle. A beagle? Does yeah. he do that? He does. And normally he howls yeah. as well, which is why the door is shut because uh, I don't want him coming in here howling at us. And howling? <laughs> well, if he wants to if he wants to howl and join us, I've had several guests that have had their dogs in the in the room with them just as mine just chooses to be in here. I think she'd be louder if I did close the door. She'd be like barking and howling outside yeah. wanting to get in. So it's better for her to just be here. Okay. So after all that interruption, uh, tell us then about you. So you live, what part of Australia do you live in? So I'm currently in Melbourne. So I'm about 20 minutes from the city centre. Um, but we moved here just under two years ago. So July 2019. Um, and I live here with my partner and our rescue dog, Ronnie. Ronnie? Ronnie. Ronnie. Ron- Ronnie. R- you see with the accent, with the accent, R-O. Yeah. And then? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Roni. Oh, cute. How old is your rescue dog? Roughly two and a half. Roughly, yeah. But we're not, you know, it's a bit oh. of a guess. Um, so it was, he was young, young. Yeah. He was quite young when we got him um, and he's a B 
big old basset hound we think so he's got a really long body but really short legs <laughs> how cute oh so cute they're just amazing is how do you find it so comforting to have the best. An animal. Have you always had a, a, a pet in your, or is this your first pet? This is my first ever dog. I've had other pets, um, but nothing cuddly really. So yeah, we kind of decided um, when we moved here, I was feeling quite lonely and I was struggling to find work when we first arrived. So I, you know, we had decided we were going to get a dog at some point and we ended up just kind of getting one. And it's been the best thing, especially throughout lockdown um, to have that company, it's just been so comforting. And the things they do, they just make you laugh all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have then, you lived there then for a couple of years. Where did you live then before? So I grew up in England. So I've always lived in England until until two years ago. Um, and I lived right in the centre of England in a place called Derby. Um, not many people know it. It's near Nottingham, so near Robin Hood. Um, but that's where I grew up. I did move away for a few years just for college so I moved about an hour away but then I came back and when I went to university it was in my hometown so very much a home girl um, but I did always have that taste for adventure and I always was traveling and getting away when I could so um, this is a really big adventure for us and it's really exciting so so it's only been two years in Australia period yeah oh and one year of that one and a half years of that has been in lockdown (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about adventure. Mm. Did you like the living room better or the office space? Which part of Australia did you like the most? I mean, Apple Garden's quite nice as well. That was quite good. Oh, Oh, great. Well, I hope you're able to now explore a little bit more of your new of your new home now (laughs) as you as you venture out out into the real world as (laughs) things are opening up more. So what then? So you grew up there. So the change was it based for work or just because you guys just wanted an adventure so my partner got a job um so he almost relocated within the company that he was already with and for a long time he actually was unsure and he was like I don't know whether to do that we had only been together at this point for a year and a half and I had always had these thoughts and ideas and dreams of moving to Australia or just at least traveling there for a year so yeah, we spoke about it and just decided to to do it because at the end of the day, if we don't enjoy it, we can just go home. Um, even now, you know, if we really want to go home, if we decide we don't enjoy it more, we can we can get home. So whilst we don't have kids and we don't have that extra responsibility, it seemed like the right time to just go ahead and do it. And it's the best decision we've ever made. We don't want to leave. <laughs> You know, you you said something that I wonder. Has your partner also been through something hard like you have in he your life? Hasn't. No, no, no. He's no. been very fortunate. Because, yeah, no. The reason I I ask that is I wonder if somebody like yourself, you know, and we're gonna, of course, we're gonna talk about that. I know the audience is probably like, when are they gonna talk? <laughs> what is her grief story? They've just been talking about her living in Australia, and <laughs> but but you see, I didn't know you were from England originally, so um. Is that fact of you being so willing to really live life and knowing that, oh, well, if we don't like it, we just go. Like, you know, like if that part of you, I wonder, I, I mean, no, you know, where your mom died when you were 15, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know, Did I mean, hard to know because your character's just developing of whether you would have had this type of adventurous type of personality. I definitely wouldn't have. I know I was very very shy growing up extremely shy and reserved 
in comparison to my brother and sister. So I've got an older brother and sister and both of them are very outgoing that you know they had lots of friends at school everybody knew who they were just because that's they were just that type of personality and I was the complete opposite very shy very reserved had a handful of friends um and I don't think that I would have had the courage to do Mm. to do what I have done I mean I may have you know we never know but I do think that a lot of what I've done over the last few years is a result of losing my mom and like the growth from that Mm. yeah yeah it's you're it's true we wouldn't know what our life would be otherwise right but uh, like you don't know what other things could have come in 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 your life that made to make you turn into the person Mm. you are now but this was these were the cards you were dealt and this is this was your journey so you were 15 Mm -hmm. your mom uh, do you prefer passed away, died? What I'm happy words for you to you say either. Me? I'm happy for either. <laughs> You're, okay, okay. Um, so when your mom died, what were the circumstances ar- about around her death? So what, what, she what... had been ill for quite a few years, actually, and um, she had cancer, but it had gone undiagnosed. So when I was very young, she had cancer. Um, she was in. She, she got the all clear, and yeah she um it turned out she had a tumor on her spine so it was very very awkward there wasn't very much they could do actually in terms of um treatment Mm -hmm. and yeah unfortunately after quite a I think from diagnosis until the day it was I think only nine months but I still think of it as years because it felt so long for me you know Mm -hmm. um so it was you know it was expected and um, we didn't know it was going to happen um I think that I myself the age that I was I was very naive and I actually didn't really think that it would and I think I was actually shielded from quite a lot of the realities too um so you know it was a, it was kind of expected but also a shock it was a very mm-hmm. very weird mixture um, because they didn't tell you because of your age, they might have just not told you very clearly everything that was going to happen. Yeah. Now, do you do you now as an adult think that was I mean, of course, you can't. That's just what your your parents thought was the best thing to mm. do right at that time, too. So it's it is what it is. But what do you think about that perspective being on the age that you were? Do you do you think that that helped you to not necessarily know that much of what was happening? I think, I think I knew, so I did get told when, when they, when they weren't sure whether she would, um, you know, make it for a night or a week, for example, on my prom night, we were told she probably wouldn't make it through the night. And, um, you know, I had this inner battle of, do I go, don't I go? And I nearly didn't go. And my dad and my best friend's mom, you know, they said to me, go. And if anything happens, we, we, you know, we can get you. And, that even though I was being told that, I don't think it really registered in my head properly. And nobody, so it wasn't that they didn't necessarily tell me, it was more the lead up, I wasn't aware. So it was very sudden Mm -hmm. for me and therefore it kind of didn't register in my brain. It was very weird, very weird. Um, I think, you know, as a parent, it's making those decisions I can't say really, to be honest, whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, 
yeah, I, I, yeah, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, exactly. No, no, because it, it is what it is. That's the thing. I just, I was just wondering, like, if, if by chance you thought it would, you know, because I don't know. Sometimes we overanalyze. Sometimes maybe we don't. Um, maybe I'm the only one that overanalyzes. No, no. So I wonder if it would have been, uh, you know, sometimes you go into that rabbit hole that really takes you nowhere because, again, it is what it is. Mm. Um, so then when what were then the so she didn't pass away then went your prom night so then what were the circumstances on the day that she passed what do you remember of that day so at the time my friend my best friend um was actually visiting from New Zealand she had been living in New Zealand for a few years and she was at my house my mum's dad so my mum was German so my opa uh, my grandpa was mm. visiting as well he was in the house and I remember waking up because I heard the beeping we had like an alarm system so whenever the front door opened it beeped and I remember just waking up because I heard this beep and I just had to I ran downstairs it was like 5 a.m and my dad was there and he just looked at me and I just knew and you know my dad was was your mom at the hospital my mom was Was at the the hospital hospital? yeah um and he came home to you know to tell us and to get my my grandpa and and it was I gave him a hug he was crying he asked if I wanted to go to the hospital but I said no I just went straight upstairs I got into bed with my best friend and I told her and I fell back to sleep Mm. um about an hour later I, I think I woke up and that day we were meant to be going shopping for it was her prom coming up in New Zealand and we were meant mm-hmm. to be going shopping for a dress. And I actually went with them, her and her mom, to the shopping centre. And it was a very surreal time. And a lot of people might think that's weird, but it hadn't registered in my brain, I don't think. It hadn't really hit me and I was in shock and I didn't want to sit with it because if I sat with it, it became real. And I was receiving all of these texts, you know, people find out somehow and I was receiving all of these texts and I just remember ignoring my phone completely and I fell asleep in a changing room and my my first friend's mom pretty much had to like carry me back to the car and went home and I just stayed at um, her house until, you know, I felt able to go home and see my granddad and see my dad. And I actually didn't, didn't cry until after the funeral until way after the funeral actually um I almost put a wall up against it didn't didn't really want to acknowledge that it had happened and you know she had been in the hospital for quite a few months so she hadn't been at home so the fact that she wasn't at home and there was she wasn't there that you know wasn't unusual the fact that I was walking around the house into the living room she wasn't sat there you know it didn't feel like empty in that way so it only really hit you know, a couple of weeks later when actually I hadn't been able to see her in the hospital and I hadn't been able to visit her, I wasn't receiving texts from her. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what happened in probably like the week, the day and then the week after. What what you're sharing is so valuable because it's um, it's those things that we do have to be very empathetic about how people handle their grief because it is just so different Mm. because like how you said like in that moment like 
you wanted to kind of maybe stay in that little bubble of the reality not really being there yet. Mm. Let me like, let me just do the things that teenagers do. Let's go shopping. But the fact that you fell asleep and that, that like somehow that image of a 15 year old falling asleep in the dressing room, like showed that emotionally you were drained and who knows also how long, you know, for nine months of honestly also holding your breath for Mm. nine months of her journey, it was maybe even the body's like release. And the fact that you even took a nap afterwards with your, your friend too, right after listening to the news, it was maybe there was like all this, built up I don't know have you do you think like built up kind of you know feelings of all this year or eternity as you felt it right of those nine months of your mom having been ill too yeah definitely it definitely was a a a physical emotional response that I was Mm -hmm. kind of not aware of I guess and my body was just doing what it needed to do um you know I hadn't spoken to people about it really because you know you don't really as a 15 year old you don't talk with your friends about the fact that you're at home caring for your mom and you know you you just don't and you know people knew that she wasn't well but they didn't really know the extent and they also didn't know the things that I had seen and the things that I had to be there for so yeah it was very it took a really big emotional toll and I was at that age you know my sister and my brother they were going out with their friends they were drinking you know being teenagers and doing what they do mm. Whereas I was still very much, because I was quite shy and reserved, I just wanted to stay at home with mum. So I was at home a lot more. Mm-hmm. I would wake up early to have breakfast with her and you know, come home from school and we'd sit together. So I saw a lot in that time that I just never expressed. And I think even still, it's actually, I don't really ever talk about those moments and the things that I saw. Um because you know it's not it's 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 traumatic stuff really mm. yeah so my body just needed to I think that nap <laughs> in the changing room was probably one of the best naps yeah. I've ever had <laughs> yeah that, that uh, yeah I, I would have never thought that sounds like one of like you're, you're not you don't have children you have you are a mom because you have a dog but I'm saying you don't have <laughs> children the ones that kind of like fall asleep as you're feeding them and stuff kind of those yeah. videos that you see on you that that's why like for you falling asleep in the in the dressing room you know the changing room uh sounds like something a toddler you know would yeah. do so it just shows that your body was just like drained in those in those nine months when you would spend you'd have that one-on-one time with your mom and sitting over breakfast do you remember any of the conversations and things like that that you have is there any particular moment or any little thing that she said that you hold on to as either advice that she shared with you because she she was aware of her mortality right and so I wonder her as a mom what kind of little Mm -hmm. treasures she would kind of just pass on in those nine months to you you know this is one thing I find really hard because I don't remember. And I think it's partly because 
I didn't realize. So she was telling me things, and you know, you're just like, oh yeah, whatever, mom. Like fifteen, exactly. So yeah, so you weren't really real, like taking it as that, Mm. even though she might have been giving you as that. Okay, so sorry. So, but so you, you do you, you regret not remembering? Oh, is that so much? You know, I really wish that I had written things down, and you know, I I see a lot of people who have letters that have been left for them by their parents and these are things that you know I know that if I was ever in that situation now when I eventually hopefully become a mom that I would do for my child and it does make me sad that that you know that I don't have anything like that but also I do get depending on the day and the time sometimes I do get things that I just remember you know just I'll be talking about her and something will come up and I'm like oh yeah she did say that and I maybe can't put a time frame on it, but I know that she said it at some point. And I actually, moving out here, I found um, a, a diary entry or a piece of paper that I'd written on. And it was something that my mum had said to me. And it was, um, I've got it written actually, but it was be patient and be, be. Go ahead. You can get it. You can get it. Oh, I don't know where I put it. This is not live. So it's like a. I don't know where it's gone. You see, it says be patient. So yeah, it said be patient and persistent. Um, something mm-hmm. like be patient, persistent, don't give up. And I actually found that piece of paper in a moment where I was really overwhelmed. I was missing home. Things weren't going as I had hoped. And I found this piece of paper and I was like, oh my God, this is the thing that she said to me that I've been trying to remember for so long. I know that there was a moment where she said something significant to me and I could not for the life of me remember what it was. And it was just such an amazing thing to be able to find that. And And the timing, thats it's not a coincidence that the timing of when you found it was exactly when you needed it. Exactly. Yeah. Did you feel, do you feel like those little moments like that are like a little tap on the shoulder? What do you feel? And those, oh, you see, I'm, I'm projecting. Of course, I'm projecting. <laughs> what do you feel? Let me just say, what do you feel in those moments of those things happening? I never used to pay much attention to them. And I would have moments where I felt like it was, you know, it wasn't a coincidence and it was something bigger, but I would very quickly shut them off and I would think, no, you weirdo, like, why are you thinking that? <laughs> and then, and then in the last maybe year and a half, especially as I've, a lot of my friends here are quite spiritual, I have started to actually lean into it a lot more and I'm starting to notice a lot more since I'm leaning into it and, and accepting it as well. So, I find a lot of comfort in it now, whereas used I used it used to kind of just freak me out to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's only a recent thing really that I've been able to feel comforted by those things. Now I, let's talk about that then. Let's talk a little bit about then the things that brought you comfort in your grief process when you were fifteen. What you did then and what you're dad and your siblings did to help you or each of you kind of did on your own I'm not sure so let's talk about that and then because now we're seeing kind of the the, little bit of the development of who you are now so what what was Katrina's process 
at 15 to cope with her grief. And I'm talking about her because that's another. Yeah. It's part of you, but it's it seems that it's a very different person. It is very different. Um, I would say, what did I do? Unhealthy stuff. I did not process it at all in a very good way. Um, I pretty much just shut off. I um, was mentally unwell. I, I, you know, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. I turned to a lot of high risk behaviors. I was drinking too much, um, being just very reckless. And I felt very, very lost and alone, you know, none of my friends had experienced the death of a pet or even a significant loss. None of them really had even grandparents. Most of them hadn't at this point. And it was very, very lonely. And there's a, there was a point I remember um, when I was at school. Um, so my mum died in the July. So I had the summer holidays and then I went back to school mm. in September. And I remember I was going, I went over to a group of friends and they, I could hear them talking about what they did at the weekend and the things they did with their mum. And the moment they noticed that I was there, they stopped the conversation. And I just remember feeling like I am no longer Katrina, who, you know, is sporty and makes people laugh and is quite shy, but, you know, friendly. I am now Katrina, whose mum died, and that's all I am. And it was very, very isolating for me. And at the time I had a lot of resentment towards quite a few friends, but now I can see that actually it's just, you know, they're 15 year old as well. Like if the role was reversed, I probably wouldn't have known what to do. Um, so yeah, because it's not something we talk about Mm -hmm. death death is just not now. I mean, now you and I know because we talk about death and all our grief (laughs) Instagram posts and all our, you know, podcast, you know, podcasts or events. But in general, people don't talk about that so uh, in in society. So therefore, it's like if adults are even uncomfortable talking about it, imagine a 15-year-old not knowing how to support their friend in that process if they've never even heard their grown-ups talk about that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, at that age, all you want is to, you know, have fun. You don't want your friends to be upset, but also you don't want to be around people that are always upset and down. And there's just completely different focuses. And I think at that age as well, you're, you're quite selfish and rightly so at that age, I think as well. Um, and it was, it was a very, very hard thing to navigate. And I found that I was moving from this girl who was extremely shy to somebody who was actually, I was getting the urge to be more outspoken. And I think that was actually more just because I had a lot of anger inside me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were occasions where in class I would just, like, let loose. And everyone would be like, what is going on? Like, where where has this come from? And I actually had one kid say to me, one guy in my class say, um, I didn't know you had a voice. Mm. And, you know, I think in some ways that's it's good that I was able to find my voice, but it, it wasn't because I was, I was not finding it in the right way and I was letting it out in not a positive I wasn't using my voice in a positive way um Mm. so it was very 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 difficult and I would say you know for the next six years really it was extremely difficult um navigating things and 
you know, there were, there were moments I didn't want to be here. Um, and I found it very hard to have conversations with my family. Um, and I think, you know, it does change your, your relationships with your family. Um, in many, many ways, I almost became the, the mother in the sense of I would do the food shopping, the cooking, the cleaning, the, um, the ironing, like all of those things I was doing. And at this point I was 16. My mum my died a week before my 16th birthday. So at this point I was 16 and I was doing all of these things. And it's not that anybody said I had to, but I just kind of took it on myself. Um, and I kind of felt like I missed out on a lot, you know, and I tried to make up for that a few years later down the line um and as a result you know did silly things <laughs> did silly things so it's it was as you're saying all this I want to sit down with the 16 I want to hug the 16 year old <laughs> Katrina so badly right now mm. as I'm feeling all of that weight on your shoulders um as you're sharing that I'm like just thinking of that the responsibility that you went through at that time, of course, it's not like an aspect of pity. It's more that aspect of, wow, like what wow, you did go through a lot, mm -hmm. you know. And then the fact that it, she died near your birthday was her funeral. How were funeral was her funeral near your birthday than if she died a week before your birthday? Yeah, her funeral was two days before my birthday. So she, she died 7th of July. My uh, her funeral was the 14th and my birthday is the 16th. So how was that for do you remember anything about your six the your sixteenth birthday at all? Yeah, so I actually um one of my closest friends and uh, her mom was a really good friend of my mom as well. They actually planned a really big party, a fancy dress party for me, and they hired a hall and you know everybody in came and it was really lovely and um actually <laughs> my it was a fancy dress party and my dad, bless him, thought the adults were dressing up too. And he was the only one that turned up in fancy dress. Um, so, but it was, it was just, it, that was really, really lovely. Um, but at the end of the night, I actually ended up losing my phone that night with all of my texts, all of my photos and videos. And I bawled my eyes. I sobbed for hours and my friend's mom just, hugged me for hours and hours and we just sat there so the trigger was losing the phone for you to let out the emotion of yeah. losing your mom yeah because I lost everything Amazing. yes had, but it know? was yeah in that in the memories and everything in that moment but I want to say that that was really wonderful that they still planned something special for you because so often my dad, my dad, my sister was buried on my dad's birthday. Mm. And so um, for many years, he would always hold on to the fact that, well, no, it's not because my sister died three days before his birthday. And so he would hold on to that aspect of, no, well, you know what today is. And I'm like, dad, it's your birthday. It yeah. was like, you know, like that idea you know and dad I know you're hearing this and I know I'm telling your story in your personal life my dad's my number one fan he <laughs> listens to every single episode so he'll be listening to this but that um that idea you know it, it it it's easy for somehow that we can hold on to sometimes those harder memories which is probably also what you might have done on those nine months too a lot of the trauma is what stayed with you some in those nine months yeah. of you caring for your mom too 
um, that then you like forget sometimes then all these other things that are special too. So uh, that's beautiful that they honored your birthday um, because it was also honoring your mom by doing that. She's the person that brought you to this world. Yeah. So that is wonderful that they did that. And, and also good that you lost your phone because you were able to at least have that release at least then, even yeah. though I'm sorry you lost your memories, but it was like, you're able at least to have some form of release mm, yeah, for everything you were going through. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so much. Okay. So that is 15 year old. 15 Katrina to, to 26, 27, 20, yeah. 22. Okay. <laughs> going through this kind of, you know, navigate. So when did you start? So did you go to college? I went to, to, yeah, I went college? to college. So I, when did you study? So I studied animal management at college. And then I went uh -huh. to, because it's a bit different in England to how it was in America, I think. But uh -huh. I was in sixth form. So um, I, in what I, is it called? Sixth form. So you do your five years at secondary school. And then you have two years where you can either go to college or sixth form. And I did sixth form, but dropped okay. out. Okay. Moved away to college. So I moved about an hour away from home. Um, and I was there for two years studying. And then I moved back home and I went to university for three years and studied zoology. So my main interest at the time was marine conservation. Um, and I really wanted to get involved more in, in marine conservation, hence why I really wanted to come to Australia. Um, Perfect place. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've actually, over the years, you know, since then, I've, just, I've ended up working with young people. Um, I started working with disadvantaged um, youths who you know I was doing one-on-one -on -one work and um, raising aspirations empowerment things like that and um, and I realized that that's what I'm really passionate about is just working with people like I love animals still but working with people is what I'm passionate about and um that's kind of how I've got to where I am now but um I think yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> that's good, right. Yeah, but then my question now too is then in that journey, then you went to you studied well. That's what I asked you. What did you study? But I also wanted to know when did you start picking up some other tools of navigating your grief, and when did you realize that how you were coping with the, your grief was really not the healthiest way to deal with it for yourself and for those around you? Like when. When did you start picking other tools and what tools did you start picking up around as you started going to college and so forth? So I did engage at one, uh, when, when I, um, there was a moment, um, as I said, where I didn't, I didn't want to be here anymore. And at that point I engaged with several different counselors. So this was just before I started university, I engaged with several different counselors, you know, couldn't really find one that I felt comfortable with for a long time but I was willing to keep trying which I think is really important to, to mention that you're not always going to find the right person straight away and I think that can sometimes put people off um mm -hmm. but I'm so grateful I continued I found a really good counselor and um found that I was you know just acknowledging my grief I think was a really really big thing for me at the start was acknowledging that the fact that I was still grieving six years on wasn't 
a, a bad thing and it's not an unusual thing because I had for so long you know you hear all these things that people say it gets easier after a year it gets better with time your mum want you to be sad and that put so much guilt on the way I was feeling and I thought that I was weird I thought that I was like unusual there's something wrong with me that I still was grieving um so just acknowledging that that was okay and that is normal and that's what grief is it's not what everybody says it usually is it's, it's actually you know individual to you um that was a really big big step for me but whilst I was at university I I almost felt like I created this new persona um and everybody you know always said to me you know you're you're so positive and people that knew my mum said you know you're just like your mom and I almost ended up putting so much pressure on myself to be that person that I was struggling I I was still like a mask it, it were was you wearing a mask, a mask? yeah mm-hmm. and whilst you know a lot of those elements about me are true it's just not true 24 <laughs> 7 so I and it's I'm a protective just, mechanism it's, it's again another protective mechanism not much different than having used you know escapism of I don't know, other stuff, how people use, you know, alcohol or drugs as escapism to not deal, right? The same thing sometimes happens when we wear masks all day long. Yeah, exactly. It's an escape. It's a way of not really showing what truly is going on inside. Yeah. And I was still taking on that motherly role at home. At this point, my brother and sister had moved out of the family home, but my dad, um, you know, he had met somebody new. And that was a big adjustment as well. But at this point, you know, I can't, I've kind of not really spoken about that. But at this point, you know, I had a really good relationship with my my, my new stepmom. And but I was still, you know, taking on that motherly role. Um, I was working three jobs, and I was also in an abusive relationship. So I had this pressure of keeping this persona up because I didn't want to feel like I was taking a step backwards um and that again you know spiraled because I just couldn't keep it up anymore and I started you know drinking too much again engaging in risky behaviors um very very depressed um and yeah it was it was it was hard so I don't want it to sound like you know I did all of these things, I got better and that was it because it, it very much wasn't like that and I don't think it ever will be like that. It's always up and down and moving. Um, but the moment that changed things for me was actually um, four years ago, my sister, she was pregnant with twins and she went into labour 15 and a half weeks early. So my oh, niece and nephew were... Um, three and a half months premature and um, my nephew passed away and at that same time my granddad was diagnosed with cancer and my mum's dad had a stroke yeah my my dad's dad was diagnosed with cancer and my mum's dad who at the time was living alone in Germany um, had a stroke and he's lost his ability to speak So all of these things happened within, you know, one, two weeks of each other. 
And was and this is how this is four years ago you said, but this is how many years? Because I I'm not actually I don't even know your age, so I don't even know the timeline that we're talking about from 15 to now. Yeah. How, how old are you I'm now, 26. just for timeline purposes? 26. Okay, so it's been 11. Nearly years. 11. Yeah. So then, so then, um, 10 years into, am I saying cal- calculating right? Yeah. No, it's been 11 years. So they saw six years after your mom's passing. Yeah. Your is when your sister had the twins and then your nephew yeah uh did not died then when he was born and then that's when your grandfather died and your opa had a stroke stroke. yeah yeah so it was very um yeah very just a lot of things happening you know a lot of people might think well that would surely tip you over the edge but at that same point, I also left the abusive relationship, which was very, I think, it was a big release for me. Um, and I saw my sister and how my sister was coping. She had just lost a child, but she also had another child to care for. And I saw the way that my opa in Germany had, you know, continued even after what had happened and I realized that it was my choice how I let what happens to me it like dictate my life because for so long I thought that you know that I I thought that the only thing about me was the fact that my mom died and I thought that's all that there was and all that there is and that's all that defined me and therefore I had to be a certain way almost and I didn't get a choice because I felt like I'd lost control of everything but I realized looking at everybody around me like I did have a choice I actually had more control than I realized and things will happen in my life that are out of my control but there's other things in my life that I can control and you know things like my happiness I can choose whether I want to be happy or not I can choose whether I make an effort to be happy you know I I wasn't making an effort at this point I was I just given up um and that for me was the turning point and seeing the strength in my sister you know I I won't touch on it too much because that's you know that's her story but the strength in her really inspired me and it was just like there aren't any words to put in to 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 explain like her strength and and what she went through Mm. um, and how she coped with that and it and it just kind of it just gave me that a bit of a knock on the head you know a bit of a I hate to say it but a bit of a reality check like Mm -hmm. that it things happen in our life that that we can't control and that are shit shit am I allowed to swear (laughs) things that you can say whatever things i don't know how to put it i don't know in in the way i upload these things i can't really like put i don't know how to put the thing of explicit but uh i don't know (laughs) people can just choose to whatever mute if they want to ban my episode because somebody said a bad word that's up to up to to the platforms um that so yeah because yeah because things yeah yeah things can just be that would be hard but we have a choice as to how it is we react to the certain yeah. situations we're given. Yeah. So I was seeing these other people, what they were, how they were coping in their reality, your sister and your, and your opa that made you kind of yeah. 
think differently. Yeah. Wow. Now tell us then that journey, the moment you had that realization, now everything that you're doing ever since and the growth that you have come to be, it's still going because yeah. it's still, <laughs> you're still growing. Um, the growth you've had up to now and what you're doing. Yeah. So from that moment, I um, re-engaged with a counsellor because I'd stopped seeing him. So I re-engaged um, and I, it was, it was very strange because I wouldn't say in that exact moment there was anything I particularly did. It was almost like a switch in my head and I just saw things differently. Um and over the last four years, I've done a lot of reading. I've, you know, done a lot of growth in me, exploring the way that I felt before and the things that I did before and why that might have been. And just giving myself compassion and realizing, you know, it was hard, like not putting so much guilt on myself because I think I was so hard on myself for all of the decisions I made, which actually only just resulted in me making more decisions that I wasn't happy with. So I just gave myself that compassion and I realized, you know, just because I've done that, that, that is a part of me, but it doesn't define me. All of my actions are a part of me. All of my actions have led me to where I am today, but it doesn't have to define me. I get to choose what defines me. And that was through reading, through counseling, through just speaking with friends and being a lot more open to receiving things and hearing different perspectives that I have kind of come to the to this point um it's it's been a it's been a hard it's been hard there's a lot of things um that I've had to kind of unlearn about myself mm. um especially after the, the the relationship that I had been in the abusive relationship you know there was a lot of things that stemmed from that and it's been a really long thing for me but what I started to realize is actually the more I started speaking and sharing my own experiences the empowerment that that gave to others to then share theirs and I found so much joy in that in knowing that you know me sharing my pain my struggles the things that I've been through could possibly help somebody else you know nothing nothing can you know take that away nothing can kind of beat that I don't think if you if you know that you're helping somebody um so I just started sharing more really I just started sharing more becoming more comfortable with sharing my story and I realized that one big thing for me was that I missed talking about my mom I missed talking about it and I wanted to talk about it and not feel bad for talking about it and so I just started doing it when I realized that in doing it I wasn't causing people pain that they weren't stopping the conversation yeah. like you were feeling when you were in high school, in high school, I don't know, high school? Were you yeah. in, I don't, what grade were you in? Ninth grade? Uh, tenth, it was year tenth, 11. Tenth so like final year Nine. of school. Oh, 11. Oh, you guys. Oh yeah. Cause you're almost 16. Yeah. But that's yeah. still young. You guys graduate young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think like it's the year. layouts differently in America to, to England. Yeah. 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 The, um, yeah. So therefore, because you, that's kind of what you knew. You're like, oh, you don't talk about it. Cause if you talk about it, then you're like, people don't want to be around you. So then you don't talk about it. Mm. So, right. So therefore you had for so long, not talked about it that then when you realize, wait, I can actually talk about her, talk about my process, 
and I, in the process, I'm helping others. Like, how amazing is that? And it's like to discover that you can do that. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like a, a superpower that you get for having gone through something yeah. so hard that at least it's like, okay, now at least let me give you this little token that uh, for having gone through something hard, you at least get the bounty of helping somebody else that's going exactly. through something hard too. Exactly. And that made me feel so close to my mom. My mom was a very giving person, you know. A lot of people know her for the fact that she, she, she just loved everybody, you know. Like, for example, the, the naughtiest kid at school, no parent wanted their child to be friends with this kid. And my mum used to invite them over all the time. And he's one of my best friends now. One Aww. of my best friends. Because she, and, and she was like that with, you know, all ages, all backgrounds, whatever it was. She never judged. And she just gave people, showed people that compassion. And in me sharing my story and, 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 and my experiences and being there for other people, I felt, I feel closer to her because that's very much the person that she was. So it's almost like I'm I'm allowing her to live through through me and you know, um, and maybe you know I wish that I'd started doing it sooner because maybe then you know I wouldn't have had to go through all of these things because I all I really wanted was to feel close to her ultimately, and I didn't know how but to again, do that. Again, we can't we can't we can't turn back no. time. If I could turn back time, <laughs> you're too young. You're too young to know what reference that I know song that is. Song. You know? I know the song. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> but um, we can't really, right? So, and therefore, too, like you wouldn't have probably come to the realization of what you had you not gone through yeah. hell and back, as they say, you know. So you already done the hard part. That was that was just part of the journey, yeah. Too, because now you appreciate all these moments and times in which you are helping others even more. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, we always we always think of the could have, should have. Mm -hmm. You know, we we live in these the type of human. You know, we are human. For <laughs> that's what we are. We always kind of think these things back. Oh, I should have gone this yeah. way, but that's not how it was, right? Um, now, in this journey, then of now helping others, tell us then all the different platforms and ways in which you help. You have your Instagram account. When did you open that account? And did you open that first and then you started serving in the mm -hmm. other platforms or what started first? So share a little bit about these different ways. So, I mean, I was sharing in my own network anyway. A lot more of my friends and people that I knew started to experience um, grief and the death of a loved one. And, um, you know, they would come to me to speak to me about it. And from there, you know, my friends kept saying to me, like, you should start, you, you should start sharing what you're doing, like, you should start sharing more and just being more open about it on more of an open platform. So I actually decided to start a podcast. So um, last year, this time last year, actually, I started a podcast. Um, and with that, I started an Instagram account. Now, I actually ended up deleting that separate Instagram account and I now just share everything on my own personal one and the reason I decided to do that was because I didn't want to just keep it I think it's really important that we have these conversations with people who haven't experienced grief as well and what I started mm -hmm. to realize is that the people that were the community I was building on that on that account was people who had experienced grief 
And, but I didn't want it to just be restricted to that. So I made the decision four months ago to remove that old account and just start doing, sharing everything on my personal one. And, you know, it's been amazing because the conversations I've had with people that I know, people that I've grown up with, I had no idea that they actually lost a parent same age that I did or that they, you know, they've, um, that their sister or sibling have lost a child or whatever it is. Like I never knew that about them, but through me sharing just on my personal account and being more open about it, it started those conversations. I've even had friends who haven't experienced significant loss say to me, oh, I actually have been talking to my parents about what they might like once once they die or how they might like me to handle these situations. And it's opening up these conversations even further. And I think that's really, really important So I'm really glad that I made that transition. And now I pretty much just share on my stories. I share like just everyday stuff, a lot about my dog, but all my posts are revolved around grief and loss and mental health and predominantly. Um, And I think that it's been, it's been a great way to open up that community even more. Um, Because yeah, because it's not just a, it's not a club that's just going to happen to a couple of people. No, 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 no. (laughs) grief happens to absolutely every single living being yeah Yeah. (laughs) whether they go through grief because they've lost a loved one or they go through grief because they lost a job Mm -hmm. or they go through grief because they just broke up a long-term relationship or they go through grief because the child that they thought was going to get married and have children decided they're not going to get married and have children. And so your idea as a parent now, all of a sudden thinking I'm not going to have grandkids, that idea is gone because, you know, so grief is experienced by everybody. Mm -hmm. So yes, you sharing it openly with everybody. It's like in, even if in that moment they might think, Oh, I get like, because they may not think in that moment that they can relate to that. They will at some point, like you said, the fact that your friends are even talking to the parents more openly about what it is they want to do for their own life and how they want to be celebrated when they pass away or things like that. That's just so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful because it's again, having these conversations that's going to make it be that there's no longer in a future, in the future, kids whispering like, oh, wait, wait, we can't talk about it. She's here. She's here exactly don't talk about your mom because her mom died so don't talk yeah and it's giving people that like empowering people to know that they they can talk about it and to not be fearful of saying the wrong thing because I think another thing another big thing that we talk about in the grief community is what to say what not to say right but I ultimately I believe it's better to say something or just acknowledge it than say nothing at all and you know as people who have experienced things being said to them that maybe could cause harm. Like, I think, you know, it's important that I share with people what they could say and just give them the confidence to feel more comfortable having that conversation. It's not about saying the right or the wrong thing. It's just being comfortable to know that, you know, to have that conversation or to try and have that conversation um, rather than shy away from it. And for so long, like I resented a lot of the things that people said to me and I was so angry about it. But now I just realized, you know, I didn't know at the time what to say. And how are you going to know if nobody has those conversations? How are you Mm -hmm. going to know if you've not experienced it yourself? So we can't be so angry at the people that maybe do say the wrong thing, you know, 
if if it's said with good intention, I mean, I do agree that there's some people out there that just say things with bad intentions and that's not okay. But if it's mm-hmm. said with good intentions, to just have those conversations and educate people and how are we going to do that if we just kind of restrict a community to those who only have experienced grief? Because ultimately... Mm-hmm. We, we need everybody will. to know we need everyone yeah. to know and mm-hmm. it's it's as you say you know grief impacts us all and I had a friend on my podcast who she she was talking about um the, uh, the breakdown of a marriage and she was very young and she before we came on the podcast she was like why do you want me on Katrina because it's not grief and I said it is that I watched you go through that and you were grieving a marriage and a life you thought you were going to have and she realized in that moment and she gave herself so much more compassion for the way that she processed everything because before when she, she realized weak, that she was she grieving weak, yet she yeah. was grieving yeah she was grieving yeah so once she was once you gave her the acknowledgement that what she was going through was grief then it's like oh you know it's like it's like oh I didn't even realize that I was so your podcast is called grow with grief is that correct yeah grow with grief Mm -hmm. and so you can they we'll put the we'll put your website and everything's on your website we'll put it on the show notes so people can listen to the interviews you have but so you interview then people with different grief stories yeah Tell us then that journey and how long has it been that you've had then the platform, the podcast? So I've had that for about a year now, but I took a short break. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah. So we've been the same. Mine's <laughs> been a year. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, but I took a short break. I had, my laptop broke and I had, <laughs> I had nothing to record on. <laughs> my- <laughs> Yeah, so um, I hear you. took it took a break and we're just having a break at the moment before season two comes out so that's really exciting um and then from that I've actually recently gone self-employed because I want to provide workshops for businesses and corporate so a big thing for me is creating a grief inclusive environment you know for so many of us work is probably the first thing that we go back to after somebody has died and there's not always um the right support there um and I've heard so many stories of so many horrendous things that have happened and I think it's really important that you know if we're in a ultimately most people you know they are in a workplace and you spend a lot of your life there, you know, a lot of your life and a lot of your time. And we need to ensure that that space is is supportive and knows the tools and has the tools there to be able to to support their employees and to support individuals as well. So that's a big thing of something that I'm working on at the moment. Um, I also speak with youth groups and speak with young people and just share my share my story, and that allows them to share theirs. Um, so there's a lot of things that I, I'm kind of doing here and there, but ultimately the biggest thing is to just start that conversation, you know, start it um, for people who are grieving or people who are going to grieve. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is this so beautiful? And ways in which I just, I was, we were talking about this before we started recording ways in which you hold your mom close you close and then clothes you have some (laughs) clothes of her what other things do you have then you you did this little cute video of you wearing some of her clothes so um tell us what are some of the things that you either do or uh wear to honor your mom um and what was your mom's name by the way so my mom was my mom was called Greta Greta Prizewala Greta yeah 
Greta. So, Greta, what was her her Preisler name? Weller. Preisler. Yeah. So, with Greta, Greta, how do you remember Greta? I'm trying Greta in your life. How do you remember your mom in your life? A lot of baking. <laughs> um, and she was the best baker. Um, so whenever I'm feeling particularly griefy, I just bake, which my griefy, partner loves. I love that word. I love that word, griefy. I love it, the griefy. I'm feeling griefy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I think I've it, never heard it that way. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's, you know, something that we can, you know, I think we all get those waves, you know, 10 years, yeah. nearly 11 years down the line. You know, it's not as, I wouldn't say it's as kind of stark in my everyday life as it used to be, but it comes and it goes and, I have days or even consecutive days or weeks where I feel particularly griefy um, and I just let them be now. I, I feel into it, let myself cry if I need to cry, but then I do these things. So I, I bake a lot. Um, I put her favorite music on, have a bit of a dance that always helps lift my mood. What is her, what's her favorite? What are some of her favorite bands? Um, so she, uh, so when she was in the, that's why, you know, Cher, is that why you know if I could, (laughs) (laughs) she was very much like an old school, like queen. Um, Oh, I love it. Yeah. So she, there was actually one song that I play all the time. And the reason I played this song is because when she was in the hospital, the nurses became very good friends with my mum and they let me sneak in one night to her room. She had a private room, let me sneak in and with my guitar and play. Oh, you play. I see it. I yeah, see it you see it in my I see Oh, oh maybe we should <laughs> no. play it. Um, well, no. Well, this is the maybe. thing. This is the thing. I said to her, what is your favourite song? And I'm going to learn it. And she comes out with Steely Dan reeling in the ears, which is like this full on. You'll have to listen to it because there is no way in hell that I could play that song. (laughs) Play that song. It is very rock, very like, there was just no way, but it is such a good song. And now whenever I hear it, it, whenever I play it, it is the best. Like it just makes me feel so, so close to her. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, my go-to song. Um, maybe by the time you're like in your sixties, you would have already mastered it on that. Maybe I've not even tried. You still have you, you haven't even tried it. Just think of it like baby steps, just like, okay. Like, how about we just like find a very simple chord progression to the song that I could just like (laughs) play to sing. I don't have to like go rock it out necessarily, but but you just start somewhere. Maybe that Maybe. would be one of those little things you you pick up. That is so awesome. Yeah. So that's so baking, playing her favorite music, and then you you were wearing then some of her. You have yeah. some of her clothes that you keep and jewelry. Yeah, just a couple of well. clothes. Just a couple of clothes. Um, we actually got rid of her clothes quite early on. So <clears throat> that for me was that was for my for my dad something that he had to do. Um, and. So I have a couple of those things and we're getting holes in now, which is really sad. And I don't want to get rid of them. So they're just going to be holy. I'm just going to have to wear them as pajamas, I think, soon. Um, yeah. but I'll give you a tip afterwards because some, I, heard, I interviewed somebody that did something with her brother's uh, shirts. Oh. He had, she lives in England, actually. And she said she had that there's some, they make teddy bears. 
with the shirts. Yeah, I've seen that. With like all her brother's like flannel shirts. Yeah. So maybe that's an idea. Maybe something like that. Something if when it's already like, you know, like (laughs) falling apart, like maybe just or a little patch or something from there that you just feel if it's something that you, you know, there's things in which we feel like that still attachment because Mm -hmm. again, but there's also moments in our life in which we start realizing that that's not what necessarily connects us to them and then there's times in which we're okay to let go so everything at its due time it took me two years to delete my mom's phone number from my phone so like so everybody has their own process right and how it is the things that they choose to release from and that they're okay with and other people hold on to other things longer and I'm sure you've noticed that difference between you and your siblings as well like you each have a different way in which you hold on to very much so very much so and you know the other thing is is like in terms of like a, a grave so her grave is in Germany so you know, it's not something that we've ever really connected with that much. So we found other ways. We have a memorial tree in England, but again, it was quite far away from home and we would only go on significant dates. And so we've had to find other ways really. And I actually think that's really nice because it means that we can remember and hold her close wherever we are. I don't have to be in a specific place to do that. I can, you know, move to the other side of the world and still have these little things that allow me to remember. Yes. Yes. Now, I I know you had touched a little bit on the, and let's go into this and then we'll close off the aspect of some of the people you've been meeting now in your circle that are more into the spiritual and so forth and how that's kind of been something that's been incorporating Mm -hmm. into your journey. So can you, can you touch on that as well, please? Because I'm just curious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's 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 some there's a lot of I'd say 80% of it I I'm agree with 20% I maybe don't, um, and that might be just um, I'm very aware at the moment of like the spiritual bypassing type behaviors, and I think that it's really important that when talking about spirituality and 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 looking at it that we that we are aware that it's not a one size fits all. But um, the spiritual side for me was um, I actually visited a medium for the first time ever. I had been very against them. Um, Not long after my mum had passed away, my best friend went to one and she said to me, oh, they said that your mum came through and it just made me so angry. And I was like, no, and it just shut me off to them completely um but then especially I think too like the fact that it your mom came through to your friend like yeah yeah I'd be mad I was mad one time my friend told me my sis like she had felt my sister sitting at her bed like her and I'm like how come she came to you she's never sat at my bed you know yeah. like, <laughs> you've been jealous been jealous yeah yes I'd be jealous okay so you went to a medium so I went to and a how was that experience were you skeptical when you went yeah. you still went even with the skepticism yeah so you're still not completely okay I knew I knew this girl through a friend um and I'd seen her other work that she does so she's mm-hmm. also a coach and I really really liked just her as a person I just li- liked her, her energy mm-hmm. and you trusted that energy at least you I did trusted her like I never thought that anything she would say to me would be a lie so and I think that was really important 
And I went to her and I said, look, I am really skeptical and I'm probably going to come out of here not believing half the stuff you've said. But during the whole process, I just felt this whole sense, this sense of calm. And some of the things that she said to me are things that I have never said to anybody because they were in those moments where I was thinking like, oh, no, you're weird. Like, why are you thinking that? Like, you know, those feelings that I was getting at the time, that I never mentioned to anybody because I thought it kind of freaked me out. She was able to tell, like, she came out with things that just nobody could know. And, you know, whether it's true or not, it brought me comfort. And I think that's the most important thing is if you can find something that brings you comfort, that is what's important, whether it's true or not, you know? Um, I agree. Yeah. I agree completely. And who, and whether it's true, if it, if it brings you comfort and it's true to you, even if it's true to your experience, then be it that it doesn't matter really what others may think of that experience. Like you said, if it brings you comfort, like if it's numbers that make sense for me, it's like little mess, like numbers are a message. Something I'm like, Oh, okay. That's like a tap on the shoulder. Yeah. Like I said before, with that little piece of paper that you said with her, be patient, be persistent. When you find it, can you please mail me, uh, text me the, um, yeah, exa- when yeah. you find it, I want to, I want to see that. I don't know where it's gone because it's on my pinboard normally. So. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you might find it then at the right time, another time when you need to be patient and yeah. persistent. Um, <laughs> So yeah, like little things like that, like other people may not see meaning or something in nature um, and animals, a certain thing in your walk and seeing a bird or this or that, like for some person, you know, that might be a connection and others may like "Mm," not necessarily see it as such. Um, So that was one of those connections. Uh, What other things have you felt that you've kind of opened yourself up to maybe seeing differently in either your grief process or your spiritual connection with your mom? I think the biggest thing is that compassion um, and having the compassion for myself, for my, for my family and my friends that were there throughout the time. Um, and I just find joys in the little things now. You know, I'm not so bothered about the big fancy stuff. I just enjoy those small moments. And sometimes I would sit there and I'll just think, how lucky am I to be here? Like, how lucky am I to be able to sit here and just watch, you know, there's some baby birds that are in our garden. Like, how lucky am I to be able to do that when there's so many people who who, who can't do that anymore? My mum can't do that anymore. And it's something she would have loved to do, you know? And I can find joy in those smaller moments. Um, Whereas before it was always clouded by anger or resentment or just unhappiness. Now I can find the joy in it instead. Um, And I think, you know, being able to connect with people and have those conversations with people and learn about other people's stories. Storytelling for me is one of the most powerful acts and hence why I've got the podcast and hence why I like, you know, I'm on here right now is because I think it's so powerful that that vulnerability, it, it breeds connection. And through learning about other people's stories, it helps you to see a new perspective too. It helps you to learn and grow. So that connection with people and just hearing and asking them questions and not being afraid to ask questions has been so powerful in my own growth through it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. And the being and asking questions 
and and then it, this goes to anything, not just with grief. This is just in life. Um, you know, anything that is unknown, sometimes we just tend to like, you know, not, not talk about, I was in a zoom meeting once and, um, you know, you put your name on the, on, you know, the zoom. And so the person, this was like a, a, a group thing. And one of the participants had their name and then had they and them mm. on the parenthesis. And I was like, Oh, can I ask you, can I, cause after I said, Oh, you know, I said something like, okay. Um, so she just, and I'm like, because first they didn't have that. Yeah. And it, first and there was no image either there was just the name so because of the name I was just already assuming it was a she but then when they they put the name there and so then I said would you mind sharing with so how do I refer this is my first time yeah. actually talking to a they can you please tell me how it is the correct way and I'm sorry if I'm asking this here on zoom no thank you so much that's actually wonderful that you do because that's how we learn it's good to ask mm. uh, and you know because that's the thing it's like we sometimes don't because we don't know we're like I don't want to say the wrong thing well it's better for me to know and to ask somebody that is a they or yes. them how it is I'm supposed to talk rather than assuming, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that is a, a good uh, tip for any situation. Just ask. If you don't know, just ask. Definitely. And, you know, with grief, I think we can be so afraid of asking because people always say to me, oh, are you okay if I ask? I don't want to upset you. And I think actually so many of us who are grieving through, through death, because of death, we want to talk about that person. We want to hear that people are remembering them. And, you know, if you ask us a question and we just don't feel it, we'll just say like, oh, I don't want to talk about it today. And that's all right as well. But nine times out of 10, we will probably be grateful that you asked, even if we, you know, even if we don't talk about it, we'll be just be grateful that you asked. So I think asking those questions, not being afraid to, to want to learn and to know and to, mm. to find out um, is so much better than just not seeing it at all because you're scared you're never going to remind us that our person is gone because we know that every single second every know single that. day you know you can't remind us we can't forget so don't be afraid to ask don't be afraid to mention their name if we aren't in the place where we want to talk about it we will say but we will be grateful that you've you know you've acknowledged it and I think that's the most important thing Perfect. That's a perfect way to end the podcast. If that's okay, Katrina, unless yeah. you have something else no. you'd want to share that I haven't asked. Um, but that's perfect. And for, for people to find you is Katrina, the same, red, same last Praisler Weller. Yeah. Uh, and I'll put that.com and I will put that in the show notes um, as well for people to find you. And then in order to connect with you on Instagram would be the best place yeah. to get to know you yeah, people and are see your bubbly personality. I love talking as you can tell. <laughs> Listen, we have a podcast for a reason, you and I, <laughs> yes. and that's exactly the reason I tell people I don't have, I don't have a blog because I don't really, writing is not my strong. You, did you notice that even on my, in my in email and change? I'm like, <laughs> No, yes, here, here's the link. I'm like very brief when writing, uh, but not very brief when speaking. So um, I'm so grateful to have met you in this journey of uh, our podcast and Instagram and, and now being able to hear your story. So thank you so much, Katrina, for being here. Thank you for giving me the space to share. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.